Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We're reading in the book of Ephesians. This is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is on the western coast of Turkey, what Turkey would, at least, I think, by today's uh, globe. Um, so, in last time, we read chapter 3. And uh, chapter 3, basically, at the, at the end, Paul is basically giving a blessing or saying a prayer that he hopes they would be filled and know the fullness of God's love. And that uh, reminding them in that, that, uh, you know, God can do far above and beyond what we may think or realize. And that, uh, well, let me go back and just read that. It might read a little better than me trying to say it. <clears throat> now him to his able, oh, pardon me, that was horrible. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think. And this says infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, that is the ending of Paul's prayer for them, but also it is, to me, a reminder that, yeah, you know, we are serving, we are children of God who can do above and beyond what we might think or ask or even know. So, you know, just, just remember that. And uh, he also, like I said, he prayed for them to know the fullness of God's love. So we're going to continue on from there. This is chapter 4. I am reading in the Amplified Bible, Ephesians chapter 4. So I, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness, and gentleness, maintaining self-control, with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. And remember that we're talking about God's love. We're not talking about human love. We're talking about where you're looking out for the, uh, the betterment, the improvement. You're looking out for the other person. You're looking out for their betterment, their improvement. You're trying to um, help them. And you're not just, you know, regardless of, you know, you're not just trying to help yourself. You're trying to help them regardless of, you know, any benefit or, or otherwise for yourself. You know, you're just being unselfish. You're just trying to help that other person because you want to help them. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. There is one body of believers and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. Now notice here, Paul is really, really, really stressing that we are one body of believers. We are one. There's only one God. 
And I would say, in a way, he's going back to something I had talked about uh, here a couple of times recently, that there's only, we're all one. There's only one group of us. We're all his children. You know, um, there is one body of believers. There's, there's all these divisions that people create. They're, they're not, there are more deceptions. They're not really real. They're, they're kind of deceptions where they get, the Satan gets people to believe that there's these big differences and there's really not. There is one body of believers and one spirit. And there's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God. One Father of us all. So, all these other things, all the denominations, all the groups of people, all the divisions, just just, just wipe those out of your mind. Just, just stay away from that type of thinking. There is not all of these divisions. There is not all of that. Regardless of what people may say or people may do, there's still only one faith. There's one church, one God, one Lord. So it's, it's important that we realize that and we act as unified in unity as we can and that we deal, try to deal fairly and squarely and, and up front with um, other Christians and other people in general as, as best we can. All right, <clears throat> I'm going to continue on, verse 7. Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he bestowed gifts on men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the very same as he who also ascended high above all the heavens, that he, his presence, might fit, might feel, sorry, might feel all things, that is the whole universe. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching the measure of the fullness of Christ manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. So here again, he's talking about, you know, the different roles that people have. And that, uh, you know, that of course Jesus had descended and he ascended to heaven, but he had also descended. And, um, let's see, let's see, we have, we have, um, we all have different roles. We all have different parts to play in the body of Christ so that, you know, we do different things to help build up the body of Christ. And we should all have a oneness of faith and knowledge in the Son of God. We should all be reading the same word 
you know, um, even through different translations of language, we should all still be reading God's Word and understanding and believing basically the same things. Alright, so I'm going to continue on, verse 14. Uh, anyway, it's just it's very anti-division. You know, we don't want to have all these divisions. We want to recognize that we are all one trying to grow. Um, we're trying to grow in the same faith and knowledge of God to, to be that mature um, spiritual Christian that we should be. So, continuing on, verse 14. So that we are no longer children, spiritually immature. Okay, he's going to He's going to say it better than me. Tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him, following his example who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, the church in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. So here we go again. Paul actually said this all much better than me, so I apologize for even trying to say that. But nonetheless, he is expressing what I was trying to express, that we would all that we would all grow, we would all grow together, and not be, not be tricked and deceived by the by all the different doctrine. Um, and basically, I'm going to just going to say this. That goes back to all the different denominations. That's just that's just trickery and deceit. We're if you're following Jesus, if you're following God, then none of that means anything. That's just. That's just man's doctrine. You can just brush that aside and move on. Just forget that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we call ourselves. Um, if we're in the body of Christ, the church, then you know that's God's church. That's the Lord's church. That's what matters. All these other man-made denominations and stuff, you can just you can just ignore all that, or just like I said, just brush that to the side. It's not important. Um, but. Anyway, so that we would not be fooled by these other doctrines and these other teachings, but instead we would follow the true teachings of the Lord in, in His Word for us here. This is what we have to help us grow up and mature and be um, and have God's unselfish love where we are looking out for one another's betterment and we're trying to help each other be better. We're not just looking out for ourselves. So we're going to continue on with verse 17. So this I say, and solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds, and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. For their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God, with no share in it, this is, because of the willful willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them, because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. And this is very true. There are moral, you know, unbelievers, okay? Just, we're just going to go with that. Unbelievers, people who don't believe, 
their moral understanding and their reasoning is darkened and clouded. And the reason is, is that they, they themselves have, they have alienated themselves, they have self-banished themselves from God. God, the Lord, is waiting anytime. He's ready, waiting, anytime that a person is interested in coming to God. He's right there. There, there, he's not. He's everywhere. He's he's omnipresent. So he's everywhere. He's always available to us. Now, sometimes we say that in a way that, like, oh, God sees everything you're doing. He's everywhere. We say it as a bad thing, but in reality, it is truly a good thing. God is everywhere. He does see everything you're doing. He's there for you to help you. He's always waiting for you. He's always waiting for you to turn to him. That's, that's the true, true, real main purpose. Because he's going to accept you with your flaws and with the things you've done, and, and he knows what you've done, and then he's going to forgive you and forget those things. So, but people who, the reason we have so much struggle and trouble ourselves, and we have trouble understanding the world sometimes, and we think, how do people... How do people justify that? How do they think that? How do they think that's okay? How do they justify doing those things or making those actions and making those comments? And how do they justify that? Well, their moral understanding is darkened. Their reasoning is clouded because they do not have God. They don't have the moral compass that God gives us. They do not have that. And that is the biggest reason that we have some of the issues we do and some of the misunderstandings and uh, communication issues that we have is that people have their they you know they have their understanding darkened they have their reasoning clouded uh, because they they don't believe in God they don't believe in the moral value uh, values that God gives us and if they think it's from God or of God they some some people will totally go the opposite way just because they don't, you know, <clears throat> they don't want that. All right. So, we're going to continue on with verse uh, 19. Well, also, he does mention, too, because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. They don't want to... They don't want to soften and care for other people. Now maybe maybe they have good reason as far as humans go, human reasoning. They've been <clears throat> pardon me, they've been you know, emotionally hurt, they've been emotionally wounded, and so they've they've hardened their hearts. I did that for years um where I was very hard-hearted uh because I felt like everyone was, you know, kind of out to get me. Um not that I was paranoid, I just mean that in an emotional way, I felt like I had to be on guard against everyone all the time. And, um, you know, people really, they either just don't know, they're not, they're not after you. <laughs> they're not after you. But anyway, um, if you have this hardness of heart, if you have this callous and unfeeling heart, then you're not going to be sensitive to the things of God, you're not going to be sensitive to those around you, to to try to help them, to try to look out for something you could do for someone else. Um, instead, you're going to be very hard-hearted. You're going to be very all about yourself and within yourself. 
And I just say that because I, I know that I have been that way at times in my life, and I've really tried not to be that way, but I know that I have been. So, so verse 19. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sens sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand. But you did not learn Christ in this way. So, he's talking about people who, you know, who are not following, who are unbelieving, and they have, like, spiritual apathy, that they're unbelieving, they're not interested in God, they're not interested in moral things, and they just give themselves over to whatever they desire. They just do anything that they, their flesh or mind desires at the time. Okay, continuing on, verse 21, If in fact you have really heard him and have been taught by him, just as truth is in Jesus revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your previous way of life you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires. I don't think I read that very well. Let's try that again. If in fact you have really heard him and have been taught by him. Just as truth is in Jesus revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your previous way of life you put off your old self, completely discard your formal, former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature, created in God's image, Godlike, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. So, Paul is talking about we need to put off the old man. When we, <clears throat> let's see if I can say this right, when we are baptized into Christ, when we join God's family, we need to put off the old ways and put off the the old man and those sinful, deceitful desires, we need to, you know, curb those and push those away and, and not practice those, but instead we need to begin practicing godliness and following God and um, be renewed and regenerated uh, in Christ, in, in the Spirit of God. You know, and the, the way we do that nowadays to continually renew our spirit and our mind is uh, to study the Word, is to read God's Word and to learn from God. So instead of practicing, say, take that time that you were spending using, I mean, well, hold on, that you were spending um, maybe looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, maybe you take that time and you, you read your Bible, you know, you you grant you it's it's going to take time. Paul says this like you just discard it and it's done. It's over with. And for some people, sometimes maybe that's true, and maybe for some practices that's true. But you may find that you have other uh, bad habits, bad practices that take longer, that take more time. So it's not necessarily going to be overnight, but you gradually replace those negative bad things and you replace them with good godly things. Um, you know, such as, well, such as lying, you replace that with not lying, telling the truth. You know, you replace time spending, spent, um, you know, uh, 
like I said, reading or watching things that are awful and that pollute your mind and your heart and your spirit, and you put that time instead towards God's Word, learning what God says and what He thinks, because that's what we should think. And that's how we renew ourselves and we put on the new self and, and we further, and what's the right word? We further improve or complete the image of God in us. You know, the Holy Spirit is helping lead and guide us through his word to learn what we need to know um, so that we will, you know, finish that process of... Uh, becoming like the Lord Jesus, becoming more like God. It is a process, though, and it does take time, but nonetheless, because God, even when we're baptized, He transforms us by forgiving us. He transforms us into His image again, spiritually, and He forgives us for all those things, but then we have to faithfully work this out day by day through prayer and through study. And we become more and more uh, like God <clears throat> by doing that. And that's how we put on the new self. And we do that every day, bit by bit. It takes time. Because there's some things I know that uh, that we all struggle with. Everybody struggles with certain things. That you, you may have a weakness I don't have. I may have a weakness you don't have. Probably do. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we have to work through those things. So verse 25 Therefore, rejecting all falsehood, whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumors, any such as these, speak truth each one with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one another, and we are all parts of the body of Christ. But notice, we are all parts of one another. We are, because we're all part of the body of Christ. Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. In other words, you can have legitimate, righteous anger at these wrong things, but be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause your shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. In other words, and I know this is hard for some of us, I struggle with anger sometimes. When we're angry, when we're upset, <sighs> you know, we need to, we need to, try to shed that off of ourselves. What I do generally is, and I don't do it right away necessarily, because when I'm mad, I'm mad, and I might, be, I might be mad for a few hours. But eventually, I just get kind of where I have to just pray and ask God to take care of that situation and, and just roll that over on Him and ask Him to show me how to be and how to act and how to do, because somehow if I'm that angry that I'm, having bad thoughts and, and, and thinking of wrong things and um, and just so upset that I'm maybe not as rational as I should be, then I, I need I need to rely on God to help me with that situation. So I and then I try to give up that anger and it it it's um it's a hard practice. It takes time. Depending on how angry you are and what you're angry about, sometimes you are so justified in your anger that then it is way hard to get rid of. Uh, sometimes it may take days or even, you know, even weeks. But uh, anyway, but here, listen to this, uh, verse 27. 
this is this is partly why you want to get rid of that anger as quickly as you can. Do and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. See, you don't want to. That's why you want. Even though it, it may be righteous anger, you don't want to hold on to your anger and you don't want to allow it to, to rule you or run you. Uh, you don't want to live by your anger. Instead, you want to get rid of that because it's a, it can be a very harmful emotion. And the reason is you don't want to give the devil an opportunity to lead you into some kind of sin or to cause you some sort of issue and you don't want to hold a grudge or nurture anger or harbor resentment towards someone, or become bitter towards anyone. Verse 28, The thief who has become a believer must no longer steal, but instead he must work hard making an honest living, producing that which is good with his own hands, so that he will have something to share with those in need. So there you go. Now here's just a practical thing. The thief must you know, no longer steal, but must work to provide like he should. And that's an obvious thing, but it's a it's a good example of someone turning their life around and, and acting as they should when they become uh, part of the body of Christ. You can't go on being a thief. That would be wrong. Um, do not let wholesome, foul, unwholesome, I'm sorry, do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. So we do need to watch our speech. We need to watch how we speak. We should try to speak as, I'm just going to say, as politely and intelligently as we can. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're spewing out all these big five and six syllable words. That just means that you're... Um, speaking clearly and concisely and you're communicating in a way that everyone can understand without any <clears throat> vulgar or profane words. Um, and speech, your speech should be positive, good building up speech, not tearing down, not hurtful speech. So this goes in two ways. It's You shouldn't be hurting others with your speech. It should be a blessing to others and it should not be you know, should not be rude and vulgar and things of that nature. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him, by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own, for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding, and slander, be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, malevolence. So these things we should put away from us, and it, it makes sense. You don't want, uh, well, you don't want bitterness and wrath and anger to be, you know, constantly there, and you don't want to be slandering anyone, and put away every kind of malice. We don't want to, you know, have that malicious intent towards anyone. And, and it's difficult when someone is your enemy or someone is uh, unfair to you and kind of make themselves your enemy. Uh, it's sometimes diff difficult not to have that uh, little bit of maliciousness towards them, but we don't want to be that way. Instead, he's going to tell us here, be kind and helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, 
forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. And that is the key. We should follow God's example. He freely forgives us and accepts us. And we should do the same with one another. We should always treat one another as God treats us. Because God treats us all in a very loving and caring fashion. So, that is the end of Ephesians chapter 4. So, uh, next time we will read chapter 5. We're coming up. We're coming up on the end of Ephesians pretty fast. So, but um, this is some very good teaching from Paul and very good uh, reinforcement of previous teaching, if you want to think of it that way. Um, I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. The Lord uh, bless you and keep you. And remember, God loves you.